That actually brings up a point, though. Oh, we're back to here, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> we always come back to here somehow. This show goes to weird places after a while, especially when I'm controlling it here. It's Wednesday, and you're listening to Hump Day Vibes on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM, and you're here with Brock, Byron, and Alex. So what have you been doing today? Welcome back to Hump Day Vibes on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. You're here with Byron and Alex, and we have a guest in the studio named Sue. Hi, Sue. Uh, and, of course, we've got our normal show, Reddit Question, Nerd Talk, Game Sesh. We're talking jousting on tricycles on the ice. Too bad Brock's not here for that one. And, of course, BC is a form of premature aging, apparently. And much, much more, but coming up to our first song, here's Disciple, Dear X, You Don't Own Me. You're listening to Hump Day Vibes on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. This is the most addictive website known to man. It will tear your life apart. And that's how we found this question. And the Reddit question of the week is, if life was a video game, what feature would you be complaining about the most? I am so happy I find that. Me too. That's, that's a great just question. Like, it's perfect for all of us. It's just a shame that Brock isn't here. I know. But, we miss uh, him, but mm. we got Sue to replace. Hi, Sue. Hi, guys. I don't know if I could replace Brock. I would not want to attempt to. I've only met him no once. One but... can. You know, Brock is just so <laughs> charismatic, you know, and his looks. Oh, amazing. <laughs> That's why he's on the poster. He's in the center frame of the poster. Aren't I? Is he? No, I don't know. I, I have a center. picture of the poster. I'm, I'm dead center. It's me. That's awkward. Yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah. We all just morph into one eventually, you know. Yeah. So firstly, Sue, what do you think? What would be the one you think you complain about? Um, which character did you say? I've missed it. If life was a video game. If life was a video game. What feature would you complain about the most? Uh, I would probably complain about the sound effects not being, you know, realistic enough. Or well, perhaps. Because I'm a soundie, you know, I guess. That's just what comes to mind not having thought about this before. Mm. Um, and the music being too cheesy, perhaps I'd want I want I'd want to have epic music happening Soundtrack. every time <laughs> yes. I every time I w- wandered around. I'd want to have just you know epic music. Yeah, but then you get bored of the epic music eventually. Too much foley. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> See, I did side for one semester. <laughs> volume controls aren't good enough. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, I would say there's a lack of uh, there's no option for fast travel. And uh, it takes really long to, like, uh, gain XP, I would say. Oh. There's no fast method to achieve it. You know, it's a grindy experience. I'd say the entry modes are kind of too hard around the world somewhere. The tutorial <laughs> the tutorial is too long. And too trapped in a financial situation as well. Yeah. Mm. Microtans- microtransactions. <laughs> we could just keep going on with oh, this. The trap of university. I mean, I love mm. university, but... Not everyone needs to go to university. Yeah. So really, if you look at that perspective, part of a tutorial, the tutorial being too long and mm. trying to get everyone to buy the university package, essentially what it is. Yeah, there's way too much DLC, I yeah. would say. <laughs> and there's so many like unnecessary side quests, like to accumulate all these resources and stuff like that. You know, I don't like constant micromanagement in a video game. It's well, just not on. What about the eight hour zombie mode we go in to work? <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing, though, that's a certain, like, scenario that you sort of apply for. Actually, no, there's no option for it. You know, it'll always happen. So what yeah. if you get bored of that sort of quest? You have to find another one. And then yeah. in between that, you've got to make sure you have enough resources between that. Yeah. And also, <laughs> you can't save your work as well. You can't restart. Like, say if you mess up a level. A quick save. Where's the quick save? Yeah, exactly. Like, say if you're, like, 
on a date with some NPC, for ex- for example, <laughs> and you press the wrong dialogue option, you can't restart that level. Oh, oh but you guys are talking about role player games, right? Yeah, what if you found mostly. yourself inside Pac Man? Uh-huh. That'd be terrifying. <laughs> Wouldn't it be? Because you can imagine just being trapped in this maze for all eternity, being chased by ghosts. Maybe it's like representing, what's the, psychosis perhaps? I don't know. Yeah. You're being chased by all your inner demons and you have to just keep consuming dots. It's probably you know? one one serious form of hell yeah. for somebody. It could be. Oh, we could sort of like recreate Pac-Man, Pac-Man with some really dark uh, interpretations for it. Oh, man, we could go down a deep rabbit hole there. No, oh. no. But then you you talk of all those games, right? If you talk about those retro games, imagine being Donkey Kong and Mario and going up the whole thing to save the princess. I mean, that's mm. an infinite game, essentially. Yeah, so right. I think, I think the princess, she likes being stolen by Bowser. Let's not, Bowser didn't steal it this time, though. Was it Donkey Kong? Yeah. From the first, no, yeah. I'm not a Nintendo historian. This is pre Bowser type situation. All the way back in your day, my surely. day. Yes, yeah. Um, I don't even know if I'm the oldest in the room now. Though. I, no, you are not. I am sitting here going, uh huh. I'm just a wee babby. So I am. You guys are both wee babbies. <laughs> she doesn't know. Nah, Byron's ancient. He's ancient. <laughs> you know. Okay, well, since we've gone way off topic now, I'm going to go to our next song, which is Fallout Boy. Thanks for the memories. You listen to Hump Day Vibes on Radio Fremantle. 107.9 FM. Stay tuned. And that was Lincoln Park, New Divine, and before that, Cream White Room from the lovely Joker movie, which uh, I don't know about you, I really enjoyed that one. Yes, I do love that because it's probably from the one of the best scenes of the movie. Yeah, by far, by far. Okay, so now we are talking about... Actually, we're talking about the woman that called 911 on her parents. Wow, you're really good at organizing this show. But I yes, know. that is a hilarious topic. Yeah, so this is spoiled brand in the US that called 911 twice to... Well, because her parents cut her off, essentially. Mm. Firstly, I wish my parents paid for my phone plans, but, you know, never happened. But, hey, we all have our own things, I guess. Now, how old was this girl? Uh, in her 20s. In her 20s? Yeah. Like, I can understand if you're, like, in your childhood years, you'd be irrational like that. But seriously, wow. I wish mommy and daddy paid for my things. Wouldn't that be lovely? You know, just Netflix, Amazon Prime, food, when clothing. F- when, when did you have to start paying for things? Uh, not for everything, but I do pay for But when? Essentials when? How for old? Me. How old? Uh, probably 19. 19, okay. Roughly, yeah. Was it everything or like rent, no, 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 electricity? No, like uh, certain things, yeah. Uh, not with the essentials in managing the house and rent per se, but... Uh, no, just I would help around, especially when it comes to like stuff with the car, my own personal belongings, food, you know. Okay, then. But uh, I would have loved to have seen the um, the police call if they had it recorded. There was two phone calls, though. Not yeah. just one, two. They said, it's if like, you call back again, we're going to arrest you. It's like, 911, what's your emergency? Mummy and Daddy cut me off. <laughs> <laughs> like this if you cry every time. What's your thoughts on this, Sue? Oh, gosh. I, I, I left home at about 18 and my parents paid for most things for me when I before when I was at home. I thought you were about to say that when you left home, they paid for everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Before I left home. But then I went to live with my auntie. And so I, I think she helped sort of pay for some oh. things for me. But I, yeah, yeah. But when did you firstly like pay for a mobile phone? Well, they weren't around when I was out of 
Susan? Yeah, I'm not into my 20s. <laughs> okay. I think I've only had to pay for my mobile phone once because I was a very cheap person when it came to it. I would normally, if my, one of my parents was done with a phone, I would take the phone. Because whenever they bought a new one, I would just like, you know, take the previous version of it. The only thing I would normally pay for would be, you know, SIM card or whatever. That's it. The data cost and whatnot. Yeah. Mm. But just like saving up for a new phone where I'm not really much of a phone person anyway. As long as I have access to social media or just communication in general, I don't care. But you're part of the generation that came out with the iPhone, essentially. Yeah. The touchscreen. I remember one time, I think when I was like 12 or something on the way to school, and one of my friends in Northern Ireland had like the original iPhone. And we were all just like... Fascinated. Oh, yes. My God, there are no buttons on this. Yeah. Well... I personally, like, I paid for everything at 18. Mm. Started at $50 rent, even though I was living with my parents. You know, didn't have to pay electricity or water. And then, you know, all my food, everything like that. Mm. Then I moved out and everything else. And I've had to pay everything since. Yeah. There's no having to get given a car or anything like that, which would be super awesome. But my parents are just, they played favorites. Let's just say this. My Mm. sister got a free car. Oh. My brother got a car bought for him and then had to pay dad back, of course. But I didn't get that option to borrow money from dad. Because they had faith in your abilities, you know. I was actually the last one to get my license. That was the worst part. (laughs) So it was kind of rough. But, I mean, yeah, we're just informed through that I am a quadruplet. So it's a bit, you know, getting your license, I guess, when you got your license was a lot easier than when I got my license. Oh, yeah. But when I got my license is a lot easier than when... You got your license. Well, speaking of you getting your license, how many tries did it take for you to pass your test? Oh, first hit. First hit? Yeah. Same. Third time. (laughs) Yeah, but when it was harder, right? No, the test is not harder, especially when you do it in Mandra, because it's all flat roads. There's no hill starts. Yeah, but I was just very nervous and anxious. Do you know what I kept on messing up? The the left something behind part of the test. What do you do with that? Basically, you know, you pull out of a driveway, you, you know, drive on for a few streets, and then the instructor would say, you left something behind. So you have to like, basically do a UE to go back to the exact same spot. But they would penalize you for going to the wrong house, That's which mean. is a bit harsh. They made you... What? That's so harsh. basically, it's like, okay, remember this house? Okay, you drive off, you left something behind, you have to safely do a UE. Then you have to try and go back to the exact same house. And you're not allowed to pull into the actual driveway. You have to like park in the side of the street as well. <gasps> Wait, wait. I get there's a twist to this, though. There'll be a hydrant out the front, I'm guessing. No. I would just have to try and remember, like, a certain landmark from that house. But, uh, yeah. I feel like we had it real easy. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And um, and I guess one other point where I automatically feel, even though it was a bit harsh, like, it was at a stop sign and just rolled over a tiny bit. Like, it didn't stop completely. That was Uh, it. But I uh... like... I just stopped, slowed down a bit, left and right, you know. I wonder if this girl actually has a license or a parent's driver around. Probably not. <laughs> we go back to it, though. I just, I feel like she's too spoiled. Yeah, I would say there's nothing worse than an old infant. Mm. Ooh. Yeah. Do you know where I got that from? Where? Jordan Peterson. We're not going down that path. <laughs> <laughs> we're going away from that now, and we're going to our next song. Uh, congrats, the name is Antidote, and you'll listen to Hump Day Vibes on Ray Fremantle, Ray 7.9 FM. Stay tuned. And that was Our City, Fireflies, and before that, Midas Born. We are talking Pokemon. Game of Thrones. We could talk about that. These guys remember Gangnam Style, right? I loved Gangnam Style. You're listening to Nerd Talk. And on Nerd Talk this week, we are talking about 
Superman Red Sun. Yes. One of my favourite graphic novels of all time. I love graphic novels, and I love when they get made into cartoon movies, especially mm. by the DC animated universe, which is amazing, normally. Yes, for the most time, yeah. Okay, so first thoughts. Superman Red Sun. So this yes. was the adaptation of the comic book into an animated film. Uh, Just to, let's give a outlook a brief to synopsis. Yeah. A synopsis on the actual plot. Basically, the premise is, instead of landing in the United States, Superman lands in Soviet Russia. Which, and that changes everything. Yeah, I mean, it's not Kansas anymore. He's no longer fighting for truth, justice, and the American way. He is fighting for the the dominance of communism, really. But it's a very fascinating world because um, it's still the Superman that we know. He still has noble and noble values, and he's genuinely like he tries to be a good person. But um, in trying to pursue this utopian goal, Superman becomes this benevolent dictator in a scenario where the Cold War has taken a drastically different path, and communism occupies most of the world, except the United States. Which and, I find uh, is a way weirder twist. Yeah. Considering the outcome of what happens in the movie. Now, I've never read the graphic novel. Yeah. I've read a few Superman graphic novels you've given me, but I have not read this one. Wait, you have the graphic novel, right? I do. <sighs> you should give it to me. <laughs> I can't find it. It's somewhere in my room. Useless. <laughs> but yeah, so I firstly... It introed into a what I thought was a great introduction to the movie. You still see Wonder Woman and Batman in it, but they have different personas. And it's a different, different it's environment. not Bruce Wayne. Yeah, it's not Bruce Wayne. Yeah, no, mm. it's a completely different psychopathic Batman. Yeah. Well, to be fair, though, if you grew up in the gulags and you become this figure of anarchy, really, you're not going to be the Batman that we know and love. Oh, yeah. But Maybe Zack Snyder's Batman. No way he kills everyone. Yeah, but at the same time, that Batman was terrible anyway. It looked great. I would say. They, yeah. like The design of uh, Zack Snyder's Batman looked fantastic. But anyway, we're yes. going off topic okay. here. For, firstly, favourite moment. Ooh, that's difficult to say. Um, Without spoiling too much for our listeners, if they decide to want to watch it. The best point. Um, that's really difficult for me. I do like it. <sighs> Okay, well, I'm going to start I, I with mine, okay? okay, what's your favourite point? Okay, so there was a transition between one woman changing her shape, essentially, where she breaks her lasso of truth. Yes. And she transitions from her black hair to all white, mm-hmm. and she ages quite a lot. Yep. I thought that was actually amazing to see because, I'll be honest, I really like the look of that, like the way it was. <laughs> Do you know what the vast majority of the comments on that scene is like, yeah, she looks amazing in that. Just the white hair, I think that would be a great cosplay for people to do as well. Yeah. And um, I don't think they will do it because it's quite a niche thing to have. But, mm. hey, if it does happen, I'll be just going, hey, I know where that's from. I guess the fight between Superior Man and Red Sun Superman, that was interesting. It sort of became this stereotypical battle of ideologies. Yeah, and I, you're right. That was true. I thought and do you was- know what's fantastic about it? The, oh. It pokes fun at and criticizes both ideologies as well from like the uh, liberal capitalist society and the communist society. It doesn't necessarily take a side in this, but um, it's a very nice morally grey world where all the sides have logic and to their arguments and morals as well. But um, I very much like it. And it does challenge that idea when people claim about communism as, you know, real communism hasn't been attempted. That's their, that's their daily argument for that. And... Having a morally good person who's like highly intelligent and perfect in some ways. Like Superman is always this beacon of perfection, so to speak. 
but it always will point out the flaws of the communist state. And I very much appreciated that. And I found the movie quite confronting. Yeah. In the situations that we saw, especially imagine a country having a superpower mm. and him. Or There's or only her. one superpower. Yeah, only one superpower. And they take out part of the country. They, yeah. they control it. But at the same time, they're not aware of all the bad things that are happening. And I mean, during the movie, he does find out. Early yeah, with the gulags. That, yeah, the gulags existing. And I'm glad that they addressed that because it didn't really address that in the comic book. Really? No. Oh. So I was sort of initially thinking... Because that's a good twist on it, so to speak. Yeah. I guess and he, you he did not think so. He didn't kill Stalin, spoiler alert, in the uh, in the graphic novel. Stalin sort of dies of old age. Wait, he, really? Yeah. Oh, that's actually quite brilliant then. And he always admired Stalin as well. So something you have to know about the DC Animated Universe movies, people die. They get yeah. killed all the time. And it's quite a, quite a very good change of pace, essentially, seeing cartoons for adults, essentially. And they're not mm. anime. They're, you know, done by the DC animated universe. Yeah. There's blood. Yeah, there's the, animation, death. the animation style is very standard DC, but almost in, like in that classic sort of DC animated style. Not the recent films, as in, like, the, um, the New 52 era. I, I see the animation for all their movies as quite... Well, it's quite pleasant to watch. There's like a certain point where I have gone, okay, we're at a good point. And that's mm. Justice League Unlimited. That's where we hit the good point. Yeah. There were some very good scenes that had a lot of emotion in them and they nailed it as well. Especially with um, Superman's childhood friend Svetlana, who was uh, sent to the Gulag. Yeah, and finding her at the very end. Because you know, like Superman, he's still the same character that we love, but um, and he still desires to do good. So he's almost like... A tragic figure in Superman Red Sun. Because in order to run a communist state, you have to set aside your morals. You can't genuinely be a good person to run a communist state effectively. I'll be honest, though, and this is not a spoiler, the end annoyed me a lot. It was very safe. It felt like a bog-standard comic book movie ending, which is sad. But the, the ending for the graphic novel is one of the best endings I've ever read. What was the ending in the graphic novel, then? Basically... It continues on from the final scene where Luther still stays as president of the United States and a liberal democracy, a capitalist society sort of spreads around the world. There's world peace and it's basically this utopian vision. And um, humanity enters a new era, a golden age of like technology, reason, science. The lifespan of a human increases drastically to like centuries and um Eventually, you see this over the process of centuries, while Superman is still sort of observing this in the background, just as you normally would. And eventually, you see like a thousand years later, and Earth essentially becomes Krypton. No. Essentially, no, seriously, it, like it doesn't necessarily say, but it's the same scenario where the sun destroys Krypton, and you see this scientific couple putting their baby into this pod to another planet. So it was a lovely little twist there. And the very last uh, page of it, you see this pod land in Kansas. So it's like, was Earth in Superman Red Sun actually Krypton from a much earlier time? That's a very good twist. So it could be still in our universe, the canon universe. I really like that twist. I yeah. thought it was just an alternate universe, but maybe it's not. But really good comic book writing can essentially change a lot of your core values because the fantastic quote... At the end of the graphic novel, it wasn't it was similar in the movie, but um, where Superman tries to conquer the U.S. because he feels like imposing communism on the U.S. by force is the only option. 
and uh, Lex Luthor gives him a note and it says, why don't you just put the whole world in a bottle, Superman? And Superman breaks down in tears because he generally wanted to do good. But um, is it better for someone, for society to be better in someone's image or to keep society free? That was the question. That's actually really well put, though. Yeah. Because Mm. the pursuit of a utopian society, I think history has proven it to be a dangerous course. Oh, yeah, but anyone with ideals like that Mm. is always dangerous as well, though. Because um, trying to, like, um, you know, silence any of the wrong thinkers, that was just an essential element of Soviet and communist history. And so it touched on that very well. (laughs) It's still happening now, though. It is. Okay, so uh, we have hit the end of that time, so we're going to go to our next song, which is Demon Days, Lost in Translation. Stay tuned. You listen to Humpty Vibes from Ray Fremantle, 107.9 FM. And that was Left Projects, Heaven, and before that was John Mayer by Georgia. Welcome back to Hump Day Vibes on Ray Fremantle, 107.9 FM. So I've received an interesting email from the Red Blood Cross, because I am a donator. Alex can't donate, and Sue has never donated before, but... Uh, Will soon, hopefully. Yes, yes, I will. I can't donate because I'm a filthy UK immigrant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so they've actually just changed their measures of protection. So pretty much they've said, if you have been out of Australia in Cambodia, Hong Kong, Indonesia, Italy, Japan, Singapore, South Korea, or Thailand in the last 28 days, you are told not to come in because they won't take your blood. Interesting. And uh, Would yeah. the coronavirus fears sort of factor into that as well? No, that is, that is exactly why it is. Mm. If anyone's been there, to just stop the risk, essentially. Mm. So they say, you know, have you been there in the questionnaire now, which is kind of nice. And they've also got a 28-day thing for China and a few other places, and Iran especially, to pretty much saying don't go in mm. or just don't come in. They've told, said that, which is kind of cool because um, – Let's be honest right now. I've had a few phone calls saying, come in and donate again. Come in and donate again. I'm going, okay, yeah, I want to do that, but can't always do it. So, Well, when the fear of pandemics are around, it's best to sort of go along the lines of caution, I would say. Like people getting toilet paper for some reason. Yeah. They're all sheep. I know. You don't need the toilet paper. I'm sorry. You don't need it. Just go outside. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Take a hole. (laughs) Toilet paper is not the biggest issue. Water. Food. Mm. Can you imagine, like, an apocalypse where everyone was like, this resource war and it's all fighting for toilet paper? Uh, toilet paper being a currency. Here, I have <gasps> like four metro. plies. Four plies for a... Uh, what, really? Like, you know, because, you know, in, in in Metro, the the video games, the currency are bullets. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And then... <laughs> toilet some, paper currencies. <laughs> somehow fall out is bottle caps. And certain brands are, like, more valuable than others. But are people stockpiling because... They think that there might be a pandemic and have to stay indoors, or are they stockpiling because there are certain things they they want to get only from China, and or <laughs> and they can't want to I make think sure it's they can. A little can... bit of both. Yeah, right. Because there is actually a limited source of these. Because as you just said, though, they are coming from China mostly, mm. and other places outside of Australia. And unfortunately, because of that, there's quarantine things happening, Mm-mm-mm. which is half the problem. And like, I like this brand of toilet paper. I don't want to run out of that and use some other rough. Then again, quarantine is like, it's something that Australia is not new to when it comes to importing goods. So they're Mm -hmm. they're already very strict about it. I do think people have gone a little overboard on it, though. Yeah. I think there's a degree of fear-mongering, perhaps. That's my personal view. I'm not disparaging anyone, but uh, that's my view on it. Like, I just went and did my weekly, second weekly shop, so to speak. You know, every second week I do shops. Mm. And I was just like, oh, I need toilet paper. Oh, there isn't any. Oh, this isn't good. Went to three different stores and... There's one on the corner of Leech and Stock, 
which I will not name. But I went in there and they had some left. Thank you. Would you legitimately fight someone over that last piece of toilet roll? Oh, yeah. 100%. Mm. I do not want to do that. But saying that, though, there's a funny meme I saw. Uh, what's that movie called? Toilet Paper Man to the Rescue? No, no. Uh, the Three Shells from... Oh, it's got Stephen... Oh. Stallone is. He, uh, he's like Sylvester Stallone. Yes, yeah, Sylvester Stallone, and he comes Steven out. Stallone. I don't know why I said Stephen. <laughs> sorry. Uh, yeah, so I said brother. that, and uh, yeah, there's toilets, and they don't use toilet paper anymore. There's three oh. shells. I okay. Demolition Man. Demolition Man. That's uh, what's called. Yes. I could just imagine like someone like sending a video online. It's very tragic. It's like, this is how it all ends. You know? <laughs> Not with a bag, but with some toilet roll. But there's another topic I want to talk to you guys about quickly. Uh, there's a statement being made on a science site saying obesity is a form of premature aging by some agree. scientists. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a great way to look at it. Mm. It's just because, I mean, the way they look at it, at least, I mean, obese people do die earlier. And it's a very, very modern problem as well. Yeah. Like half, well, not half the modern world, essentially. Well, yeah, because we're now in a society of like untold peace and prosperity as well. Yeah. Or survival is not necessarily on the top of one's priority list, so you can indulge in various things. But then again, though, people sort of have psychological conditions or physical conditions that, you know, will factor into them being eventually obese. Yeah, but if you look at the big picture, the achievement of man, mm. the human race, getting fat yeah. is actually an achievement in itself. Yeah. Think of a species that lives in the wild that gets fat. You can't. Pandas. No, no. no. Pandas are like that because they need the body fat on them. But think of the generalization of it, an actual fat species that is just fat mm. and slow. Perhaps a type of whale? I don't know. Maybe it's uh, sloth, but that, sloth. That's, that's their way of surviving is to be very still. So Yeah, exactly. And to yeah. eat. And, or a bear before it goes into its cave to hibernate. But then, that, then it loses all of that. Yeah, but that's, that's, a, yeah. And that's its normal cycle. It's a requirement. So actually the whole getting fat as a species exactly. thing but you know, was no, an achievement. I was like watching this video though of the sloth being killed by this bird of prey. They're just like, useless at surviving. <laughs> they are technically useless at surviving. So but that's their job. You know, you need an animal like that. Yeah, you need lots you of do. terrible species like, out there. And I then the viruses like, come off them and then... I think the comedian Bill Burr said like um, sloths are like the jalapeno poppers of the animal kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> just something you pop by for a quick snack, you know. Oh, that's so bad. I love it though. But getting back onto this though... What is, do you believe that this should be more widely shared, this thought? I would agree. Um, then again, like, I don't want to delve into the question of, like, say, fat acceptance or all that, because it's a slippery slope. Oh, but yeah, I do believe that um, you shouldn't be encouraged, or you should be encouraged to, like, do, go for that uphill struggle to get yourself out of being obese, I would say. I just look at this as another way to go, okay, do you want to live longer mm. or not? Do you want to live comfortably or not? Mm. I know there's a whole lot of other issues that exist when you are overweight, including low immune system and other... What, what else did they have? They had a few other things on there, like uh, your skin get loose, a lot looser, a lot quicker. Mm. You know, you have uh, a lot more lung issues. Yeah. Just a f- just a things that... just It's a lot of things that happen. Yeah, I so, think it, it puts a... If I'm correct, it puts more of a strain on all of your your body organs, and yeah. it means that it's harder for your body to process your liver, say, and your kidneys to process things or, or whatever. Because there's a yeah, you're dealing with a lot more. Um, I don't know stuff. Isn't there a law in Japan where it's mm-hmm. like I think it is illegal to be obese unless you're a sumo wrestler? Really? Yeah. 
Look it up we'll right we'll now. Lee Brock, but no, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> That's hilarious. Really? I have never, I have never seen an obese Japanese person that wasn't a sumo. But then sumos are technically athletes as well. They still exercise in their own way. Have you seen what they eat? Yes, but like strong men have to eat a lot as well. You know, you have to have the weight on you. But um, they know they still exercise. But I'm gonna Google this right now, so you keep talking. There's a fact check for it. Really? This is ridiculous. I, I actually cannot believe you even came up with that. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, what? There's Why? an obesity tax, apparently. Oh, really? Is that what it is? Yeah. I'm just. That's incredible. Imagine that, though. I mean, saying that, if we went to, ooh, if I went to Japan, I'd be a very big human there, to be honest. I was tall in Japan. Really? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, that's just amazing to me. I cannot believe that is even, I guess, you know, there's people out there that are like that, but imagine putting a tax on that, how the uproar would happen here. Mm. Yeah. But uh, I don't know, It's I guess for some people it would, it would be a good incentive, I suppose. Perhaps the fear of, you know, being penalized financially would be a good motivator. Because many times um, when people sort of talk about ways in order to get motivated, sometimes you need to you need a vision to aspire to. But sometimes, say, if you're like an anxious person, having something to run away from is very motivating. Mm. But what if you have, say, um, thyroid problems or if you have mm. a, a exactly. medical condition that means you can't say that you appear obese, but you're actually not. You're actually deal- dealing with something. Yeah, I mean, those are the other exceptions to rules like there's always exceptions yeah. to things but funny enough here's something we didn't think of so financially here in australia bigger clothing is more expensive mm. uh you know you've got to pay for more so you want to get a flight mm. things add up real quickly and it's mm. really bad um that's something i think is terrible as part of it but at the same time why should they have those extra fees in their life I guess you're just going to have to judge it from an individual basis, really. Um, either noble incentives or fear of being penalized by something. But um, I would certainly be against the idea of like the state interfering. That was my phone, sorry. I'm certainly against the idea of the state interfering with your life and telling you how you should live it, perhaps. But um, it's interesting. I reckon, yeah... It's hard. It's, yeah, it's difficult. It's a hard know. topic that we all have to tiptoe it's around, which is uh, really you're, hard. You're treading thin ice. Did you manage to verify that finding? Yeah, did you verify it? it was it? Is it yeah. true? It's tax, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. So it's not illegal. It's just a it's big a tax. Ah, oh, okay. I mean, saying that, they've got a limited space, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> it's how it is, though. And um, I'm sure someday it will change. Mm. And if you get why I'm saying someday, it's because our next song is by Nickelback, <laughs> and that's the name of the song. You listen to Hump Day Vibes. I'm Ray Fremantle. And that was Cut My Teeth by Elliot Booth. And before that, it was Hot Hot Mess by Bread, Bread Club. You're listening to Hump Day Vibes with Byron and Alex, driving you home on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Choose your character. Choose your weapon. Round one. Fight! This is Gamesish. And on Game Sesh this week, we are talking Riot's new game, Valorant. Valorant? It's anyway, Project A. Valorant. Yeah. Anyways, it's Project A. And the statement, or at least the look of it, appears to be a CSGO plus Apex plus Overwatch. It did look very Overwatch from the brief amount of gameplay footage that I did see. Yeah, but do you see how quickly people die in it? Yeah. It's that 
kind of feels more CSGO-ish, and it has a more of a look for Apex. Interesting. That's actually the feel I got from it, at least. But it's kind of cool because it's just showing they can do more than League of Legends content, which is a great thing for a company. So do you think this will be possibly the future for competitive shooters? That's yet to be known, unfortunately. Uh, considering what we have already, CSGO is already still competitive. Mm. We have you know Rainbow Six The Siege. Rainbow Six Siege, yep. Which also, again, has a great following. And that following is not going down. That is still rising constantly. I remember like, I played Rainbow Six Siege from the, um, the year it first released, and it, was, it had a very interesting lifespan because um, there was a time when it was immensely popular. Then like a couple of years into it, the player... Uh, count it dropped drastically where it was near impossible to actually get into a game but then thanks to the uh, developers constantly updating the game interest was renewed once more and uh, the player count is fantastic for it i mean considering it's a five-year-old game i think it's doing amazing and what they such a unique experience rainbow six siege yeah but not just that though it's what the developers have done they didn't just go okay here's a game we don't care about it see you later they went, okay, we're going to develop this, make it better. It had passion for it. It actually had a lot of potential, Rainbow Six Siege. Yeah, and that's something that I am really proud that they did because it, a lot of developers recently have done this. So we've had Rainbow Six Siege do it where they did a, you know, let's fix it patch, which was over, you know, three months. Like, we're not going to deliver you new content. Mm. We're going to fix everything over this. It was like the health check system or something they called it. Yeah, and um, Ubisoft, they have a reputation for games that have a really, really poor PC release at first. But um, through a constant amount of um, patches, they made it to a high-quality product. Yep. But anyways, going back to the topic, from what we've seen of it, it does look like a good game. Yep. It has potential. But there are so many games out there that have potential that fail. And this one doesn't look like, for me right now, something I would play. Yeah, like when you see a lot of uh, gameplay trailers, they tend to hype up the, the game way, way, way too much. And, I mean... Uh, from it though there's nothing unique about it mm. that's my first problem if you're just taking ideas from other companies i'm sorry you're not selling it for me that again perhaps if they try similar ideas but execute them well like those ideas were popular to begin with like, like uh they were popular for a reason yeah but if you they've got something in there just you like need innovation you need an yeah. innovation and right now it's just a clone that's mm. all i'm seeing clone stuff like hanzo's arrow for example from overwatch and a wall that essentially create smoke, so a smoke grenade. And then just combining the two right now, that's what's happening I've seen in there. And that content already exists outside the realm of these games. What would you suggest for possible gameplay mechanics to be introduced? Well, that's the thing, though. I can't just go and think off the top of my head, but I don't want to be stealing stuff. I want to come up with something unique. That's the problem. I would say probably the thing that invests me into a first-person game. It's not really the shooting gameplay. It's more if the game has a really good melee mechanic, I will stick with that for a very long time. The um, the game on my Steam library that I played the most, probably 600 hours, which is pathetic compared to your PUBG count. It 2,400. Was, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, mine was um, Chivalry, Medieval Warfare. Like, it had range uh, gameplay in it with um, crossbows and uh, bow and arrows and such, but the melee was so good, so visceral. So responsive as well, and it was just so addicting for me. And um, the other game that has an excellent melee mechanic in it, that's by Ubisoft, and it's been going on for quite a few years as well. Not as long as Rainbow Six Siege, but this is uh, For Honor. Have you ever played For Honor? Yeah, I know For Honor well. I thought it was a great game. Yeah. But I thought thought the next one was terrible. Are you talking about the recent uh, patch for it? 
that Chinese faction that was introduced. Mm, yeah. The only problem I had with that was um, they um, they did up the specs, so to speak, for it. So it was a lot more demanding on a lot of systems, a lot of like particle effects, anti-aliasing. Like my PC, it runs games fairly well, but it's not a spring chicken anymore. You know, it's fairly old. Mine's three years old as well, but I feel like this game will be able to run on it. Yeah. Here's, here's something else that I believe this game will be. I believe it will be a hardcore shooter. Mm. So I don't reckon the casual community will be able to play it as much. Yeah. See, Overwatch has the casual community because unfortunately with half, uh, with that type of game, because of the classes and the types you can play, mm. you can play a bit more passively. You can play a little less intense. It all works out okay there. With this game, from what I see about it, everyone dies like CSGO. Interesting. So that brings in the issue of... Oh, that's Rainbow Siege type level as well. And this brings in the issue of... Where's Accessibility. The casual, yeah, where's the casual community going to be? Well, I think what they should do, they did it this in uh, Chivalry Medieval Warfare. They had servers dedicated to low-level players. So there was a cap. If you were like uh, over level 20, you couldn't join those servers, which was excellent for a lot of younger players. Not younger players, lower-level players. Yeah, but that... Yeah, that'd be good if they have it, but really, there's always the way around that, though. Yeah, they're, the way Ubisoft design their servers, you know, there's no option to choose what server in particular. It's kind of automatically chosen for you. But this is not Ubisoft. This is right Games, so mm. maybe they'll have a good system in. We don't know. This is only an alpha still. This mm. is the cool thing, though. Because it's an alpha, we get to see what's happening. Eventually, streamers will pick it up. And then we'll get a better perspective of it because they'll be doing it in beta testing because that's the society right now with PC games. And we'll eventually be able to develop opinions of it. But so, until that time, though. So is this game exclusively PC or is it cross-platform? I can guarantee you this type of game will end up on all console, PC, across the board. I reckon this will end up on the Wii. From the looks of the graphics for The Wii? The Wii not the Wii, the Switch. Yeah. Why do I think that? <laughs> but yeah, so I believe that this will go across all of them but right now, I don't see it happening. I don't see this as a game that will be out in the next two years. And I don't think this is good enough yet. But I would say for developers, you know, just take your time with the product. Do not rush a release. But don't take too long. Don't be like Half-Life 3 or um, <laughs> Might and Blade Bannerlord. Well, Lord, what was Half-Life 3? I've never heard of that before. I know. But Might and Blade Bannerlord, that was introduced in 2011. And it's going to be released in March. Well, actually this month. <gasps> I've been waiting for so long. Duke Nukem Forever level. Ooh. Yeah, that's an interesting um, lesson for the games industry. But um, so what was this other news about uh, oh, Mario so Kart? The other news is in, I think it's nine days, something like that, uh, Mario Kart goes multiplayer on mobile. Interesting. So I was really confused when I played it on my phone for the first time. I was like, it's all excited to play. It was only against AI. Yeah, but they've got just names they grabbed, generated from a system and you know, from other players who create the names. And yeah, it's only other... It's stupid. That really annoyed me because I thought I'd be playing against other people. That's what I thought. And can you imagine being in a Mario Kart race with, instead of just four players, you have like 12 players. 16 players. You can imagine the anarchy. Oh my God. That's so good. Yeah. And you could just imagine it had voice chat to it and you'd use the um, the blue shell. Oh, they. how easy would voice chat be? You've got the speaker there could you imagine mm. just hearing someone yelling next to you die you know swearing and just mute it because you probably you probably yeah get a screecher yeah actually you know you're right i don't think that'd be a good idea at all don't again, do though, that nintendo is, don't do that it is hilarious though sometimes when you really really do annoy someone online and they try to i don't know abuse you and uh, i very much enjoy that i actually have uh instant of that with my card game hearthstone i beat someone really badly and then they added me and 
continued to abuse me, calling me a effing hunter player. You're not original, blah, blah, blah. And I just had a good laugh at it, went, okay, bye. Yeah. But, you sort of get into that phase yeah. when you're a younger player, but then when you don't really care as much when you get older. I think the ideal age for gaming is probably in your early to mid-20s, I would say. Because if you don't rage when you're losing, you're losing twice. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, coming up now is a song called Ocean Avenue by Yellow Card. You're listening to Hump Day Vibes with Byron and Alex. Stay tuned. And that was Vacation by Ugly. And before that was Always or Never by Vacation Club. You're listening to Hump Day Vibes with Byron and Alex, driving you home on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. So it's kind of common for Hump Day Vibes to have some really weird topics lined up. And this, there's no exception to this, some ice hockey tricycle jousting. Yeah, and it's gone international. Interesting. I'll just, firstly, I looked at this and had a good laugh. It's from Twitter. But... It's just a funny topic. Like, they've got these giant fists on the end of these jousts, and... Yeah, it's, it almost looks like something that you would get in, like, a classic cartoon, perhaps. Oh, I know, right? And the worst part is, though, our resident ice skater, Brock, is not here to talk about it. I know. Ain't so, the ice he loves. Did we um, address to the people of the world the situation of Brock oh, right now? Or speculations of it? No, he's no, no. sick, but we're speculating he's he probably, a vasectomy. No, no, no. He's probably... Um, Sent to the gulag. Maybe he's a Russian spy. If he's sent to the gulag, he wouldn't have reception. You never know. It could be <laughs> it could be someone impersonating Brock. Ooh. Perhaps. That'd be very good. Someone called Dimitri. And he's like wearing a Slavic tracksuit. <laughs> and you know, he squats and all that. I know, but right now he's sick, he let us know, which is great of him to do. And it was really sad as well because he does all the new music which unfortunately you won't be able to get to this week because we haven't got any new music for this week. So, But the thing is, though, we can sort of take advantage of his absence by, uh, you know, being mean to him. Yeah, we can, we can. But, you know... We want to be merciful today. Something we haven't done yet is plugged. So check us out on humptayvibes.com if you are in the car right now and you're at work and want to listen to us. Follow us on Facebook and our website, humptayvibes.com. We're also um, available on Spotify and Podbean, it, where you can actually download the whole talking segment of the show. Instagram as well, but we rarely use it. Yeah. Facebook, tag us in funny things. Plenty of people do that. Just follow us in general. Send us a message. Send us a request. Yeah. You can even create an account and rate our songs that we choose. It does brighten up our day whenever we're like we're walking around Murdoch and someone recognizes us from the poster. Even though that only happened to me. Yeah, why is that? I don't know, because I'm super charismatic in my looks, perhaps. And I'm just like instantly, you know, I'm memorable. Yeah, you can also listen to us online on Radio Fremantle's website as well. There's a live stream there constantly and also has the full show from the, the entire last week as well, which is awesome if you want to go back and listen to it for some reason. But yeah, going back to our topic of the uh, 12th century with uh, medieval sports, it's weird that in recent years there's this revival of traditional medieval tournaments well, like what else well because you got like melee combat in fully in full medieval plate armor oh, that's I, a thing I, as well i completely forgot about that and yeah horse joisting as well which is very interesting it's very popular in america as well yeah dangerous sports why not yeah well why not i think all those short sports should be gone mm. i think we are smart enough to not have them and we've got say rugby and football and that are dangerous and, enough. Yeah, and the amount of head injuries that come out of it, I don't know why we have them. And I think this revitalization of this other sport, which looks like a joke, but at the same time, I just see it as another dangerous thing out there that we shouldn't have. Yeah. Do you know what I think should happen? I think there should be um, HEMA tournaments. What's HEMA? 
historical European martial arts, so genuine historical European swordsmanship. Instead of just swinging around like an untrained peasant, you're actually following techniques from the medieval era that actually worked as well. But aren't they using them anyway in the sword fighting? No. Really? From what I've seen, no. Like, there's a certain way to actually hold a greatsword and a longsword properly because um, it's trying to, you know, neutralize the enemy as quickly as you can rather than, you know, dazzling showmanship, perhaps. At the same time, though, it's all about hits in the sport that they have, not mm. what they have now. But I really, really do suggest to oh, you to watch... Um, there's this excellent video on YouTube of this um, Polish saber sparring between these two master swordsmen, and it's so, so engaging. And it really sort of brings home to the viewer how dangerous swordsmanship was back in the day. Because uh, any of the techniques that didn't work, we wouldn't know about them because those people would likely have been dead. Wombs was a really good technique, but only because it counted a bunch of other techniques. But there's a technique that counted them that was becoming mainstream and took them out. Well, that's how war evolves, really. But, you know, just, I'm just saying there might be something we don't know about because it's been lost in time. I would really suggest you look at the history of the pike and shot era. Later medieval period to the early um, to late 1600s is so interesting because warfare evolved so fast. You say that, but I can't take your word on that because anything in history is interesting to you. (laughs) Well, history is only boring if you don't know much about the period. History is only written by the victor. That applies to ancient history, in my opinion, where you would only have one source covering that particular period. In that argument, I would agree, but... For modern history, no, you have a much wider variety of sources to get your information from. But still get skewered to the victor. No. (laughs) To a degree, perhaps, but you also have to, when it comes to analysing history, you have to look at the historian, the source of that. What are their biases? What is this and this? But um, that's all part of the skill of being a historian in the modern world. Anyway, that was quite the... uh, We were just going off track there. But coming up now is a song called Paralysed by Red Hook. You're listening to Hump Day Vibes with Byron and Alex, driving you home on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. And that was Brown Sugar by the Rolling Stones. And before that was Rainbow Roads by Hiatus Coyote. You're listening to Hump Day Vibes with Byron and Alex, driving you home on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. What do you want, Byron? I was just going to say, like, just because we don't have Brock here, it's weird. It doesn't sound right at all, because... It's it, like it should be Alex and Byron in that situation, but when mm-hmm. it's Brock's here, it's Brock, Byron, Alex. Yeah, like that um, term, it, it sort of became muscle memory for us as well. Oh, I we made never sure really it. thought about it. It's like Brock, Byron, and Alex. Just oh no, I worked out which one would sound better. That's why we had it originally. Yeah. <laughs> How long have we been doing that? Uh, I'd say a good nine months. Yeah, it's At weird. Least like I still remember the three of us working on Hump Day Vibes last summer. Oh, that was oh no, that wasn't that bad. Yeah. I mean, I remember the transition point, and it was really nice when we did transition from a certain direction we had to my direction. We had competent people working on it, you know? Yeah. I Not mean, to name any names, but uh, if you're listening, you know who you are. Yeah, I mean, Talana was fun to work with still. <laughs> yeah, Talana was. Daniel was. We just disagreed with his uh, creative choices. Yes. But, um, you know... Clown music, for example. Circus music. Yeah. That was just the absolute worst. But anyway, it is time for the two of us to say our goodbyes. Yeah, goodbye. And I hope Brock's feeling a bit better if you're listening, buddy. Or, uh, Sastadania. Or, Spasiba. Because he's a Russian spy now. Yes, apparently. That's what I'm going to say. Anyway, I shall catch you later. Bye.